0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Detroit News Assistant Sports Editor Mark Faulkner, joined, as always, by our Red Wings beat reporter, Ted Colfin. And today, coming up, we'll hear from Red Wings radio color analyst Paul Woods about Saturday night's 10-7 loss against the Maple Leafs. And, Ted, that's where we'll start with the 10-7 historic game, really. 17 goals, that's the most Combined goals in a game in eleven years, going back to twenty eleven when the Jets beat the Flyers, nine to eight, but on Saturday night, seventeen goals. Mitch Murner had four of them. Lucas Raymond had two for Detroit. You and I were up in the press box watching the comeback. The wings were down seven, two, then seven six, then eight to seven. It seemed like last shot wins, right, Ted? I
1: don't know, Mark. It was it was a fascinating game. Quite obviously the third Period was awfully enjoyable. And I think mm-hmm. at the end of the night, everybody got their money's worth. But at the same time, if you're a Red Wings fan, that was troubling. And the fact that they allowed 10 goals, what was it, nine even strength and one shorthanded, I believe, mm. was, I mean, to allow that many goals, they just weren't ready to play, it looked like at the start. I mean, bully for them there in the third period, it was quite the comeback. But I could also say the Toronto goaltending. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> that's going to be an area of need come the trade deadline, possibly. But uh, And the defense, geez. But, yeah, I mean, I, entertaining, but let's face it. And Jeff Blaschel didn't sugarcoat it. You can't play that way, Mark. I think you mm-hmm. talked about that. You just can't do it. But it was inter- a fun evening. <laughs> it was different. It was Like you said, that was a good word. Historic, Mark. It really was different.
0: In fact, uh, Ted, let's hear from Jeff Blaschel. After the game, you had a chance to ask a few questions. And yes, 10 goals, the first time it's happened in Detroit history since 2017 when they lost 10 to one in Montreal. In the history of the franchise, allowing 10 goals, it's happened 26 times and the worst, was 13 nothing against the Leafs in 1971. Here now is Jeff Blaschel. Did you guys get the sense that if you guys just
1: could pressure them a little bit and get some pucks on net, challenge the
2: goalie a little bit, then maybe something could
1: happen that in that third period or whatnot or during the course of the game?
2: Yeah, we, you know, we, it was a point of emphasis all game and, and we didn't really do it till the third. And once we started doing it in the third, obviously, you know, you know how momentum goes. They start getting on their heels a little bit and uh, um, you know, the building's going nuts. So, you know, again, he just you got to get pucks out of your hand, you got to get pucks in their end, and you got you to gotta be willing to shoot pucks and those three things we did in the third for parts of it and we didn't do in the first two at all. Sounds like you really were disappointed though with that, Well, I guess, the
1: first two periods. I mean, any 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 answer for that at all, you think? I mean, what, what could have expected something like a start like that, I would think.
2: You know, I didn't love our vibe in practice, to be honest with you. Um, uh, you know, I, I told the guys, like I warned them, you can't turn the switch on um and I just didn't love our vibe in practice and I don't know why um but uh, it it manifested itself here tonight I was hoping I was wrong but I was right and uh you know what you do every day is is what you are and you don't turn switches on and off and you know we better come and, and embrace practice more uh if we expect to win games I'll finish it off, just some real mixed emotions then, I mean? I, I don't have mixed emotions. Uh, okay. I, I, I would tell you again, I, I, I think I can look at things through clear eyes, and at the end of the day, I know it, it would have been great to come back and win. It would have been exciting, it would have been awesome. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but I also know, even if we did that, that's not good enough. And, and so I'm worried about making sure that it's better than that.
0: So, Ted, quite troubling, as you said earlier, and quite insightful as well from Coach Jeff Blaschel. He talked about bad vibes, answering your question, bad vibes in practice. And he didn't go into a lot of detail. But when he says what you do in practice every day is who you are, that's not a good sign, is it?
1: Well, I must have had – it wasn't a very crisp practice Friday. And that happens, obviously. They need to shake it off really quick, Mark, because this is a really – They're in the tail end of that really difficult segment of the schedule here. A very, Mm -hmm. you know, Stanley Cup contending Carolina team on Tuesday, then a heck of a back-to-back in the weekend with Tampa and Florida. Those are three of the best elite teams in the league. So you lose those three, I mean, you're, you know, the playoffs at this point are, Almost an impossibility, anyways. But you you just fall deeper and deeper into a hole here if you lose these three games, and they have to play so much better than they did. Mm-hmm. They, that just, like you said, that, that's that was just unacceptable.
0: Ted, one last note about the game. Here's your questions to Mark Stahl. He had a couple of assists. He was plus one. He had the only hit by a Detroit defenseman. Only fourteen hits by the team in total. 15 years in the game now. Mark Stahl said he's never been in a high-scoring game like this. And, hey
1: Mark, was that fun to be part of, fun to play, or you don't really know what emotion now that was, I guess. I don't know. I
0: mean... No, it was
3: a fun third period, obviously. I mean, we were uh, – if you start filming that like that and you come back from a deficit, it doesn't happen uh, very often. So, um, yeah, I mean, the energy in the crowd, and it's, uh, it was a, a – yeah, an exciting third period. Um, um, obviously, just didn't get the result we wanted. Mark,
1: feeling on the bench in that third period, I mean, is there any doubt at all that you guys would, I don't know, when you're at that point, are you feeling you're going to make some all the way back?
3: Yeah, I mean, we like said, Phil gets the first one, and kind of, then we score again. And it just, uh, and then at that point, uh, we're in it. So, yeah, we believe that, you know, um, their goalies were fighting it a bit, and we were just shooting everything and, and trying to get back in the game. Uh, and then just didn't do enough, and we were down, I think, by one at one point, if I can remember correctly, like nine minutes left or ten. Like right there, I think we need to, uh, you know, calm things down and just and, and, and work for the next one in a smart way. And uh, I think we gave him too many looks.
1: Cliche question. You've been around a long time, you. Ever-
3: part of anything like that no no <laughs> not, not not that not
0: that many goals no Ted some key words and phrases there from Mark Stahl who's played 15 years as I was mentioning he's only six games away from 1,000 he's at 994 games he said things like calm things down and we gave them too many looks yet he played only 15 minutes the fewest of any defenseman I didn't see him get injured on Saturday night, and it was a high-scoring game, so Jeff Blaschel needed more offense. Ronick had four points. Letty played 24 minutes. Sider, 25. DeKaiser was minus three for the second straight game.
1: Another rough evening for Danny DeKaiser, it really was. And I I tell you, how about the development of Moritz Sider here in recent weeks, Mark? I mean, Mm. I think – but then I got – I was (laughs) going to say, I mean, he's pretty much solidified the – Rookie of the Year, I would think. But let's give some kudos to Michael Bunting in Toronto. I believe, uh, Playing on that line with Matthews and Marner, he, he's been a Red Wings killer this season, and he's been a very impressive first-year player.
0: Yeah, five points for Bunting. He's 26. Sider's just 20, but Bunting is... But racing. technically a
1: rookie. But but a
0: technically te- a rookie, yeah.
1: Uh, it'll be interesting. I, I mean, it'll, I don't think he's going to garner a lot of votes here unless he really goes crazy these final two months. But he's an impressive player. He fits very well into what
0: they need there in the top top two lines. And, Ted, the Carolina game you were mentioning Tuesday night, they've won five straight. They made five straight tape-to-tape passes on those two goals against the Oilers all across the ice. They have the best penalty-killing unit at 90%. They kill off penalties it really is time, though, isn't it, for the Wings for a bounce back game, as you said, before they, you know, head off to to Florida to play the Panthers and the Lightning.
1: It'd be a good time to wipe Saturday's memory off the off the books. But like you said, Mark, this is one of the. I mean, we've been saying this during this entire seven game stretch against these teams, <laughs> but Carolina is definitely one of the cream of the crops. I mean, they they are an excellent, excellent hockey team, and. Wings haven't had a ton of success against them here in recent years. Um, I would I mean, I, mean, I would, I would, not dispute the fact that maybe Carolina is the best team in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they're just not a whole lot of holes in that lineup at all. So it's not going to be easy. I mean, and now you kind of wonder about the Wings' goaltending, and mm-hmm. that's kind of mm-hmm. drifted apart here in these last several weeks on uh, Adelkovich for as good as he looked earlier on. He's kind of fell apart here these last seven or eight games. Thomas Grice has played well in a couple of starts, but then he's kind of Saturday didn't really shut the door at all when he came in. You wonder what the state of the goaltending is right now, too.
0: Ted, uh, let's hear now from our special guest today, Paul Woods. Uh, you profiled Paul Woods and Ken Cal a few years ago when they were celebrating 25 years together in the radio booth, the longest running team in Red Wings history. Here now is Paul Woods. Joining us now is Paul Woods, the radio analyst for Detroit Red Wings hockey. And Paul, you've had a few days to figure out what happened the other night at Little Caesars Arena. The Wings lost 10-7 to the least, the highest scoring game in the NHL in 11 years. And earlier in our podcast, Jeff Blaschel said he could kind of see this coming from bad vibes from practice. And Mark Stahl, said he was embarrassed and he had never played in a game like that and he's played 994 yeah. games how rare Paul was this game and what was it like describing the comeback
4: yeah it was rare for sure you know and again it was it was sort of uh, you know it was uh hard to describe at times again because it's just uh you, you don't expect uh, that much offense in the same game but I do have a little bit of a theory on the rubbing side I I think that the schedule I think really caused a problem them I I think I counted it was six games and in 20 days, I think, in two in, in nine games, including that game against sure, the Leafs. Sure. And it's just not enough time. It's not enough. You're not battle ready. Like, it's you can skate and practice and do things all you want. But the actual battle inside the course of a game is different. It's like a boxer that's been of the ring for about uh, four or five days and, and steps back in. It takes a while to get used to the giving the punches and, and getting the punches and accepting it. Like, it's just – so, again, I, I think that was part of it. Um, but, again, the Leafs, uh, you know, they were they were actually playing – pretty regularly and and again they were you know weak defensively as well but so my other theory on that is that the rules have changed in the nhl and they're changing all sports that lean towards the offensive side of it and they won more offense in the game and and they're getting more offense and and they believe it, it sells but see i i believe in in sports it's actual it's the the battle between the offense and the defense and the intensity that comes from that battle is what intrigues people that is a real you know it's something to watch it's something to behold and in that game, there wasn't much battle defensively, only offensively. So you need both at the same time. But historically, if you go back and think about it, I think in the 90s, I think when the neutral zone trap came in, and it was just it was terrible hockey, and it became so defensive-minded that neither team was almost not even trying to score, just trying not to let the other team score, and they'd line up in the neutral zone. And there was a game actually in Philadelphia when neither team – would even carry the puck across the blue line. They just kept dumping it in and lining back up to defend. And the goaltender then back could come out and play the puck as well. And you'd dump it in, and he'd come out and play it and shoot it back out. It was like a ping-pong game. And it was the worst hockey I ever saw. And that's when the NHL made the rule changes with the red line and then holding, hooking, infractions. So I just think they've gone a a little bit too far. And they just back it back a little bit and make it – in each defensive zone, you have a little bit more liberty. You can defend a little bit more. I think that would, would help the game. We'd have more intensity that way. But, again, it's a far cry. If I had my choice, I'd take that game the other night. Yeah. Over that hockey I saw back in the 90s. Like, that was unacceptable.
0: You know, Paul, after the game with the broadcast, you asked Ken Cal, which one of the four goalies had the best save percentage. And Ken had a good guess. He said Alex Nedelkovic. He was second. He stopped 76% of the shots. And for the record – Jack Campbell was number one at 80%. Peter Murazik was third at 75 And Thomas Grice was at 71-6. And overall, though, Paul, the Wings, just one game under five hundred. still two months left in the season. The goaltenders, how have Nedeljkovic and Grice played, and what do you expect these final 29 games of the season? You know, I look at
4: our team save percentage, and it's, it's, it's near the bottom of the NHL. And it, it, it really, in a way, <clears throat> I'm not going to say shocks, but it surprises me. And, again, I, I think the duck, which got off to – I mean, that, that first game against uh, Tampa Bay was, like, unbelievable. Again, it was just a – but, I mean, they're the Stanley Cup champs and it was something to watch him, like, you know, and what they did. And, but he made save after save, but his save percentage got way down to the start the season. But then he went on a streak for about 15, 20 games when he was as good as any goaltender of a National Hockey League. And then, again, when he played a little bit too much, I think, when Thomas Grace was injured, the wheels sort of came off a little bit and he, and he fell back again. So I think, Tom, I think Alex has been a real good story – it's just he had a bad start, and, and he's going through a bad little – but I think he's getting better. And even – it's funny in that game there against uh, Toronto. I mean, he made a lot of big saves uh, to keep it just – I think it was 3 nothing when he got pulled. So I think that was more to try and change the flow uh, by Jeff Blasio. And as far as the goaltenders, the 4-2, and two, if you really think – I actually think that Jack Campbell was probably the worst of the four in that game. And I was touting his praises for the Vezna Trophy, like – a month ago, three weeks ago, and that just shows you how humbling a league the NHL is and can be. And if you're not ready to go and you're not having your best stuff with your goalie, defenseman, forward, I mean, you are going to get humbled. But yeah, that was a that was a crazy game, and I think that Peter Mrazek ended up with a win, which is he wasn't very good either. So it was just uh, it's one of those games that you'll you'll never forget.
0: Paul, uh, back on defense, they've gone with eight defensemen this year, and I want to know what you think about Marit Sider after watching him for the first five months you know on Saturday he had two more assists and he tied Reed Larson for the longest point streak by a Red Wings rookie defenseman he has 10 points in his last six games and overall he leads the team in assists with 34 an ice time at nearly 23 minutes he's only minus one on a team that's minus 35 full differential and he leads all defensemen on the team in shots block shots hits and game-winning goals with three so is Cider a shoe in for the Calder Trophy, and what stands out most to you about this 20-year-old defenseman?
4: I could go on all day long about yeah. this, but I got to say something right now, and, and Ken Keller understands this. Like, I don't get uh, too excited about uh, young players. I like, see what they do in the NHL for a pretty good chunk of time, and just like I said before about being a humbling league, because once they get used to you, understand what you're doing, they're going to adjust and, and play a little bit different according, but it never seems to affect him. Like, he just keeps getting better almost game after game and, and uh, assumes more responsibility. just does more and more things to help the team win. But it's amazing. And, and you said, Mark, that, that ice time, average ice time. Sure. See, to me, it's one, yeah. it is probably the most important stat. Because you think about it, all of these coaches, they're in the winning business. Like, there's seven new ones, I think, uh, since the season started in the NHL. So if they need to win hockey games. So when they put that guy out there more than anybody else on the team, it's a pretty good indication that he might be our best player. So again, he keeps going out there to, to lead the, the team in average ice time and all rookies in that step. Far and away, he is the best rookie in the National Hockey League. It's not even close, but unfortunately, the voters, they don't dig too deep. They just keep looking at points and goals, and that's all they really believe in. But if you start figuring the things you were talking about, and I think he's got the most powerful points of all rookies. He's typed their shorthanded points of all rookies. So he's got so many different categories that he's in on, but just far and away, to me, he's he's the best rookie in the league, and and not disrespecting the rest of them. And the other guy is Lucas Raymond is is not that far behind, and just so composed as well. And and for kids or young players that age, it's so hard to do in, in such a tough league. But again, to play on the top lines the entire season, to play on the power play for the entire season, he's actually back in the point at times in the power play. That's a trust that Jeff Blashill has in him, and to play against other teams' best defensive pair all the time because he's paired with Dylan Larkin like his minutes are tougher than people on the third and fourth lines and that's something in hockey no one takes into consideration they just keep looking at numbers but who'd you get those numbers against are you doing against the other teams best players game after game after game that's a big difference so I, I think for sure that uh, Lucas would be probably second on that list.
0: And mentioning Lucas too with the offense the Wings have been a little bit better scoring goals this year but they're going to miss the playoffs for the fifth straight year Raymond had a couple more goals on Saturday. He's only 19. As you said, he leads all NHL rookies in points with 42. Two more than 26-year-old Michael Bunty, who had five points against the wings. Does Raymond remind you, though, of Mitch Marner? He was compared to Marner uh, in his draft year. Marner had those six points. And also, Paul, what can Red Wings fans expect with Raymond in the future with such a strong start of this overall game that you've been talking about?
4: Well, like I said before, Mark, you've got to keep doing it year after year. So, I mean, time will tell, like, what's going to happen. But uh, his foundation is just outstanding. And, and his, his, uh, his intelligence by hanging on the puck, again, his discipline of not throwing it away into areas he's not sure what's going to happen. Again, for someone that young age, it's, it's really difficult to do so. He's accepted to that, and again, again, in comparison to Mitch Marner, he's an outstanding player as well. But again, I, I, I think, I think Raymond is willing to hang on to the puck more, and and how would I say, absorb or welcome body contact and not get rattled by it. And, and Marner, in my mind, I'm not trying to disrespect him, but again, he wants to move the puck quicker a little bit before that happens. But he's in a great spot, and him and Matthews are, are I mean, it's it's a fantastic combination. We saw that the other night with Bunning, but but again, I just. Uh, Both those guys, again, I'm Red Snyder and Lucas Raymond, uh, they're uh, they're disciplined with the puck and the plays they make. It's just well beyond their years. Paul, just
0: two more questions. The uh, trade deadline is three weeks away from today, Monday, March the 21st. And the Wings have a lot of veterans on expiring contracts. Mesnikoff, Gagne, Letty, DeKaiser, Stahl, Stetcher, and Grice. And as far as drop picks, they don't have as many as they usually do. They still have nine picks. Ted and I were talking about this earlier. They have one extra pick in the first three rounds. That was a second rounder for Anthony Mantha. But, Paul, do you see any big move like the Mantha trade or just slow and steady what you've seen? Does that make more long-term sense?
4: No. See, I I, I think it's just we, we had a big trade last year. So if that's the case, we're not going to make moves. Well, why did we trade uh, Anthony Mantha, Jacob, or That was a year ago. So we're further along than we were a year ago. So, no, I think with Steve Eisman and his management team, like they're very aggressive. And that's a part of our life. They want to make the team better continually just make it better every year and that message is sent to the players and they hear that message and they continue to to play hard in, in the battle so I think if a deal's out there a great hockey deal they'll make that idea and the same thing if we've got guys if other teams want some of our guys and we can get a draft pick and that'll help us as well and they'll make that deal as well so I always say Mark see it's not just this this misconception in my opinion of just sitting back and just waiting for the draft to correct it the Buffalo Sabres have waited for 11 years for that to happen they're on their second rebuild Arizona goes through it. They made the playoffs once. New Jersey Devils, they keep going through it year after year. They've had multiple first overall picks. They're still in the same spot. So my mind is the combination of the draft. Obviously, the lifeline of the franchise, but it's also free agency. It's also managing the cap and having that cap space available, and it's making trades. And if you can make a trade and give up one or two guys and get a guy that makes our team better, I guess my question is why wouldn't you make that trade? So I really have a lot of faith in Steve Eisen what he's done. And, again, getting back to that draft of Red Sider – and really, even Lucas Wayman to some extent, to make those picks and be have them questioned at the time, and then to see how it turned out, it's it's really it's something else. And again, but I, it's something I, I expect. I played with him for one year, and I you know I have an idea of the, the level of competitiveness. And then watching him play like the intensity level you had, it's not a surprise.
0: Finally, Paul, Coach Blashel. How can you tell what kind of job he's doing with the players he has? Some of the stats, the power play has scored eight more goals in last year. They're still ranked 25th. The penalty killing is also 25th, and they've allowed one more goal. So he's developing younger players. He's the second most tenured coach behind John Cooper of the Tampa Bay Lightning. How important are these final two months and do you think if they did sign them to a year in an option do you think you'll be back for another season
4: yeah i definitely think you would be back i hope you would be back and you know and again those teams i was mentioning about with the draft picks and stuff like that they just had multiple coaches i mean so many you can't even name the coaches they've had so many changes but again to do that what you said to mark about five years missing the playoffs but to be able to have that uh, that attitude the team to have that much morale and to feel that good about themselves it, like really you think about it mark they can and not to underestimate coaching, but if you look in, in Montreal, like Montreal, they were actually being publicly ridiculed, like the players for the way they were playing and how bad their season was going. They made a coaching change. and brought in Martin St. Louis who rejuvenated them, and now they won five consecutive games, and all of a sudden they're feeling good about themselves and confident, and they're going to go out there and play. And really, if you think about it, without that, the greatest strategy in the world is worthless. But to be able to have a team that's missed the playoffs and, and lost that many games and have their morale that high – it's not an easy thing to do because usually teams, when they lose, they start to become dysfunctional, and then they sort of fall apart and, and come apart from the inside out. But he's never allowed none of that, and their attitude's been not just this year, but last year it's great, but it's not an easy thing to do. So, no, I have great respect, and, uh, again, the ability, as I watch those guys, they just seem, they seem confident, they expect they're going to win, and, and then they're ready to play, and they're having fun doing it.
0: Paul, thanks again for your time today talking to us about that uh, historic 10 7 game last night, rather Saturday night, the rookies, the trade deadline, and Blashell's future. All the best and good luck with Tuesday's broadcast against Carolina.
4: My pleasure, Mark. You know, I got to tell you something, give you a compliment too. It's one of the best interviews I've done in a long time. You do a great job.
0: Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. Much, Much appreciated. Our thanks again to Paul Woods. Ted, the trade deadline is three weeks away from today, Monday, March 21st. And the Wings have a lot of options, a lot of veterans you've been writing about on expiring contracts, forwards, Nemesnikov and Gagne, defenseman Letty, DeKaiser, Stahl, Stetcher, and the goalie Grice. And as far as draft picks, Ted, I was looking it up, and they don't have as many as they usually do. They have nine picks, only one extra pick, though, in the first three rounds, and that was a second rounder for Anthony Mantha. They do have three fourth rounders. So what do you think Steve Eisenman will do heading into the trade deadline, Ted? I'll
1: tell you, Mark, well, like you said, it's still several weeks away, so we have some time to see how things develop. I just don't know how much interest any of these, many of these expiring contracts mm-hmm. are going to attract. I mean, I could see in the Metzikon, Metzikoff, I think he could attract some interest. I don't know how big of a price people would pay. And I, frankly, I kind of see them re-signing him for another year. I would not be surprised by that at all. Sure. Nick Letty, I mean, I know they got him for a second-round draft pick. I'd be mildly surprised if they could recoup that second round or given the way he's played, he's been fairly inconsistent. And and there's a plethora of veteran defensemen out there, so you really you wonder if he'll be in high demand. People like the Kaiser, Stahl, Stetcher – Frankly, I just don't see a ton of interest. Maybe a Mark Stahl, maybe on certain teams. But mm-hmm. – and Grice, well, he's you – know, let's face it, Mark. You'd have to play better to really – I mean, first off, you're going to have to need a team with issues in the goaltending or a goaltender that's injured. So it's uh, – that doesn't happen very often. But you really wonder, is Grice an upgrade over most teams what they have right now? I don't – I think the, he is, as far as a contending team, might be good insurance. but So it really, it's going to be interesting to see how these weeks, next several weeks evolve. I just don't see a ton
0: mm-hmm.
1: of t- interest from teams in any of the veterans that the Wings have to possibly trade off.
0: And finally, Ted, do you think the Wings could surprise a few people by perhaps putting Philip Zadina, his name, out there? Last year they surprised a lot of people by trading Mantha to Washington for Verana, a first rounder who turned out to be the goalie, the six foot six goalie, Sebastian Cosa, who's lost only six of his 35 starts in the Western League with the Oil Kings this year. Zadina, there's lots of pluses. He's only 22, a first rounder, six overall. He's been up on the top line. You've been writing about that. And Steve Eiseman says he's a good kid who works hard. But there's a lot of good players out there who work hard. And Zadina has only seven goals. He's not among the top 10 scorers on the team. He is a second-worst plus minus, minus 21, just ahead of Adam Ernie, another big disappointment at minus 22 this year. And, Ted, in the last two games, Zadina's been on the ice for the first goal both times. Against Colorado, he was turned inside out. A lot of players are by Cal McCarr. And the wings were down one nothing. And then in our game on Saturday night against Toronto, I watched the tape back and – he glided back into the zone. He failed to read the play and cover up for Mark Stahl, who pinched in deep. The Leafs moved the puck up quickly to William Nylander, and he made it one nothing. So, And also in that game, yes, Zadina has 106 shots, third among wingers. He took one shot, Ted, in the second period, a 40-footer on the power play. Nobody in front of a wrist shot was caught easily. It was like a practice shot. And the fans, they were booing the power play it was also like an uncharacteristic play he's a better player than that so also i talked to um a director of player scouting our personnel on saturday night and i asked them, would you be interested in zadina and they said maybe he's young and then i asked them where they had zadina ranked in the 2018 draft when ken holland took zadina number six he said they didn't even have Zadina in the top 10. There were so many defensemen that year. Quinn Hughes, of course. It could have been Hughes, not Zadina. Bouchard, Boquist, and Dobson. So, what do you think the return would be? Nobody thought that Mantha would go, and Steve Eiserman surprised a lot of people. Could this be the second straight year that the Wings give up on a first round draft pick?
1: Well, Mark, I don't think it'd be shocking at all. I mean, I think either now or closer to the draft, draft weekend, maybe. Sure. Yeah. I don't think he's – I mean, he just hasn't stood out. I don't think he's developed like they thought he would this season. Um, I don't see any really major red flags. But at the same time, I you have a lot of forwards coming up here. Bergeron's probably pretty close next year. Mm-hmm. Some of the other teams in the – some of the other young kids in the system. No, I wouldn't be shocked at all if his name's out there. Uh I, I wouldn't expect it maybe at, at the trade deadline, but maybe closer to the draft, like I said. But let's see how the rest of the season plays out. He has found a little bit of a spark here playing with Larkin and Raymond. It's early, but he mm-hmm. seems to be playing a little better. But for all the good, there's, like you mentioned before, there's some bad too. So, no, I agree with you. I would not be shocked at all if his name's floated out there and, you know, kind of an Anthony Mantha situation. Uh, revisited
0: and that'll do it then for uh, episode 67 of our detroit news detroit red wings podcast as always ted thanks for your time and your stories are available online at detroitnews.com and you can also find them on our Octopals facebook page on twitter instagram instagram stories and snapchat thanks again everyone for listening rating and reviewing this podcast ted and i will be back before and after the trade deadline